0: Hey, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to see everyone. Um, I'm going to say hi to those who are watching online. Thanks for joining us uh, today. So I want to cut straight to the chase. It's been a tough year. Uh, really, really has. In fact, um, if Jesus waits 50 years uh, to return, or longer than that, it'll be interesting how history books tell the story of 2020. Uh, I, and, and listen, um, I'll, I'll just say it, more than the Great Recession, more than the Cold War, more than 9-11, I'm going to say our country and, and even world are walking through something that is probably collectively uh, one of the more difficult journeys uh, in history, in recent history. It's not unique uh, throughout uh, the, the history history. Uh, of the world, but unique to us and, and our time frame. And, and a lot of us are just trying to figure out what life is supposed to look like. And in fact, I have mentioned this before, and I'll probably say this again. We're living in a period of history that is transformational. And when there was the printing press that went from where they would tell stories and, and so on like that, and all of a sudden the printing press came into be, that was pivotal, in the history of the world, and now we're moving from the print age to what's the digital age. And again, that's pivotal, but now we're in this this season, and it's just weird because we're trying to figure out what it means to do life when we can't gather. And we're trying to figure out what it what it means to do life when we have to have conversations with people and we can't see facial expressions. And we're, we're hearing conversation, but it's muffled because uh, of the, the mask that we are required to wear. And so, in a nutshell, and I talked about this last week, sometimes it's really hard to find a place of thankfulness. Sometimes it's really hard to find that place because it's, there's so much to focus on that's not good right now that it's hard to find that place of of just saying, Jesus, thank you for what you've done and and what I have. But the reality is, even though it's hard to be thankful, we're commanded to do so. And and since we're commanded to do so, I I think it's important that we understand a a little bit of the why. In fact, in, in Romans chapter 12, it talks about the transforming of our minds and You know, one of the things that we've learned with with recent medical discoveries is with neuroplasticity, we can literally rewire our brains. And I think thankfulness has a a role to play in the rewiring of our brains. Even though it's it's hard to do, uh, it's necessary to have that transformation that Jesus desires for us to have. Now, with that, let me say this. Uh, I have, through this, this COVID time, uh, found a place of thankfulness. I've had a lot of friends who have had COVID. I've had COVID myself. I've had a number of friends who have lost loved ones as a result of, of COVID. Uh, the world's getting smaller in that regard. But I'm thankful for you. I'm literally thankful for Valley View Christian Church. And and let me tell you why I am so thankful. Back in March, when we went into full lockdown and we did online church for two and a half, three months or whatever it was, I'll I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't sleep well, especially during the first part of the lockdown. Uh, let me tell you why it didn't sleep well. It's because the first Sunday of lockdown, the offering that we had here at the church was probably one of the worst offerings I've ever seen in all of history. Uh, as far as my time here at Valley View Christian Church, uh, in fact, it was it was uh, I'll just say dismal. And we had just made a hire, and we were making budget adjustments, but I was already rehearsing conversations in my mind of what I would have to tell staff as far as cuts and layoffs and salary uh, reductions, different things like that through this. But then the next Sunday happened. And every Monday morning or every Monday or Tuesday, I I get the report of the offering. I don't get to see who gave what, but I get to see the overall picture. And Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I have been blown away at the generosity of Valley View Christian Church. I, I literally have. In fact... September and October, I was starting to get a little anxious because our offering did take a little bit of a dip. But then November happened, and again, it's just as though uh, you as a church and those of you who are watching on- online have been so faithful, so generous, so consistent in your giving. It is mind-boggling to me. In, in fact, one of the things that that has is, is, is freed us to do is not worry about finances. Now, I, I hear other churches uh, that, in fact, this week I just read that the Archdiocese of, of Santa Fe uh, laid off like 30 people because of the budget cuts that have to take place. I've heard of other churches that said if it wasn't for one or two givers that decided to give extra through this, I don't know where we would be, but the reality is that the collective giving of of God's faithful people here at Valley View has been remarkable. It's been so remarkable that we're able to do things and have things that that we're planning to do because of your faithful giving that probably wouldn't have happened this year. In fact, one of the the realities is uh, Gallup Christian Church, we've been discussing with them, and I don't know exactly what this is going to look like. But we'll. I'll just go ahead and let everyone know we're in in the process of of becoming one church with them, and so we're going to invest more and and do more. And the reality is, it's because of your faithful giving. I, I'm just blown away, and and so thank you, thank you for your generosity, thank you for the way that you have. Been so faithful through this really difficult time. And what I'd like to do today, though, is I want to talk a little bit. We've been talking about thankfulness, but I want to talk about thanks and giving together. And as we talk about thanks and giving together, I want to look at a story that's probably the most incredible, radical giving story in the entire Bible. It's actually out of the Old Testament. It's it's from the book of Exodus. So if you want to turn to the book of Exodus, we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter thirty-five here today. But it's the, the latter part of the book of Exodus is the 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 giving and the 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 instructions and 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 construction of the building of the the tabernacle. It might be called the tent of meeting, as as we'll see here in in a few moments, but. It's remarkable to me that God goes into great detail. In fact, it's, sometimes it would be easy to get lost in the detail and to ignore what's going on because there's so much do this, do this, do this, do this, and detail given in to the tabernacle. But the length of the account underlines something very important about the tabernacle. You see, the tabernacle was the visible guarantee of God's continued presence with and care of Israel. It was that, that, that visible sign that God is with us. Now, today, we, don't, we realize that God doesn't dwell in, in houses made by men, but through His Holy Spirit, He now dwells inside each and every one of us. But when God had the tabernacle, and that was the physical presence of God, or the sign of the physical presence of God to His people, He gave kind of really kind of detailed instruction. So let's go ahead and look at that here this morning. I'm going to start with verse 4 of chapter 35. It says, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution uh, to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution of gold and silver and bronze. It goes on to talk about other items that were going to be used for the building of the tabernacle. So God lays out a challenge for his people to be generous with their financial resources for the building of, of the tabernacle but it wasn't just the financial resources if you go on down uh, to verse 10 it says let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the lord has commanded and so god lays out a challenge for people to use their physical talents to build the tabernacle and I think it's interesting that, that God mentions both the financial aspect of things, the, the, the financial resources, but also the physical talents. Now, I'll just say this. The work of God is done through a mixture of generosity and the use of physical talents. And we find that to be true also in the church, that basically God's work continues when people give and when people serve. That's basically what God has called all of us to do. In fact, that you talked about the physical presence of God living inside of us instead of a tent or instead of a temple now. Literally what that means is that when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, He gifts us supernaturally with talents and abilities to be used within the church to build up the kingdom of heaven. Now let's look at a, at a couple of verses here today because we begin to see a little bit of what happened. i let's to skip on down to verse 21. And In verse 21 it says, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all the service and for the holy garments. So basically, people gave. If we go on to verse 24, it says... Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. So we see that the, the people responded with, with giving their, their, their financial resources. And then you get to verse 25. Verse 25 says, And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and, and, and they brought all that they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and, and fine twined Lemon, uh, linen. you get down to verse uh, 29, it says, All the men and women of, uh, of the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Now, when we talk about free will, I think it's important to understand that this is not something that was required now they had required offerings that they had to give they had requiring required sacrifices that they that they were required to make this was of their own generosity and of god moving in their heart and we see that people gave financially but we also see that women and there were other craftsmen involved that used their physical talents for the building Of the tabernacle. Now, what I see is interesting here is that every resource needed, every resource needed, whether it be physical or financial, every resource needed for God's work to be done was already within the community. It's not like he said, okay, I want you to go to this country and raise money here or do work or find resources. Everything was within the community. So I want to draw kind of a comparison here. Every resource needed for God's work to be done is already within the church. That's that's something I think we have to to grapple with and understand. Do you ever do this? Do you ever say, uh, you know, if I just had $200 a week more than what I have right now, I would be good. Or maybe say, you know, if I just had this right here, if I just had this. We do that in the church. We do that in the church with this whole idea of if we just had more givers that would come from other churches or, or move into our, into the church, that would be better. We could do this. And if we just had these people who had these skills right here, I'm, I'm of the belief. Now, I think we do need to be passionate about evangelism and, and growing the kingdom of God. But everything that we need physically and financially is already within the body of Christ here at Valley View. Now, that means some people may have to step out of comfort zones and be trained to do something that they may not know how to do yet, but the reality is everything is here. Now, before we talk about what happened, I want to talk about what didn't happen. At no point in time did, did, did Moses say, Let's sing one more verse because I know that there's somebody who has a decision to make or has a gift to give or somebody that needs to, to answer the call to serve in the nursery. At no point in time does, does Moses write a fundraising letter giving an emotional plea to people to give more. In fact, we find quite the opposite of what happens. Notice, we're going to skip on to, to, to chapter 36, and, and we're going to start with verse three. And it says this, "And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the, sanctu- uh, uh, on the sanctuary, they still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning." So the picture is they received all that they needed, and people kept bringing more. But we get into verse 4, and it says, "...so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. Now, I want to stop right here for a moment. And I just want to let you know that I've never seen this happen in the church where there was so much, they didn't know what to do with it. In fact, if you read on, this is what it says in verses 6 and 7. So Moses gave a command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were, were restrained from bringing the material that they had uh, was sufficient to do all the work and more. Did you see this picture? They had to restrain people from giving. It's like they gave, then they gave some more, And then they were restrained from giving because it was like, you're giving too much. Now, I'm going to say this, this will never happen in the church. And let me tell you why it will never happen in the church. And the reason why it will never happen in the church is because the work that we have will never be completed until Jesus returns. And the work that we have is much more significant than a building or a tent. You see, the work that we have, the mission that we have, what we give toward is seeing that lost people, people who are far from God, find God through Jesus. And there will always be lost people. There will always be people who are facing an eternity in hell if they do not come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so our work will never be none, will never be completed, will never be done. But I need to be honest with you. Sometimes, as I either stand up here or sit up here, I feel more like a salesman or a motivational speaker than I do a preacher. Sometimes, when I'm up here, I feel like I spend all my time trying to get people to do something that they don't want to do. I really do. And I'm reminded, in fact, my son preached a sermon back in August, and he shared something from Francis Chan. And I want to kind of adapt this. We worship a God who raises the dead. We worship a God who calms the storms and casts out demons. We worship a God who makes the lame walk and gives sight to the blind, and He shuts the mouths of lions, and he goes in and he's with his servants in the fire and they don't burn up. And we worship a God who parts seas and does all of these things, yet we have to beg people to even come to church. We have to beg people to serve. We have to beg people to pray and to give and and to tell people about Jesus. We have to do that. And we serve this God. And so I have to ask, what happened in the heart of the nation of Israel at that point in time that they gave so much that they had to be restrained from giving? There's really no answer other than looking at the larger context of the book of Exodus. There's, There's really no answer except to say, they had experienced some pretty cool stuff. I mean, outside the life of Jesus, there are more miracles in the book of Exodus than any other period in the history uh, 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 that we find in the Bible. In fact, they got to see plagues. Plagues. They got to see Moses come in. Y'all remember Charlton Heston and, and, and the, you know, let my people go, you know, so on like that. It was actually Aaron that was saying that because Moses had a stuttering problem, but we're just not going to get technical there. But we understand that there were all these plagues and it afflicted all the people in Egypt. And eventually there was the 10th the plague, which was the Passover, where the firstborn of every person or every family in, in Egypt died. And, and, and then we see the, the parting of the Red Sea and we see the fire by day and the or the, the the cloud by day and the fire by night which was the presence of God and there was manna and there was quail available for people every morning and, and then there was the whole issue uh, of Of water from the rock. And then Moses went up on the mountain and he he met God there. And it said that the mountain quaked because of the presence of God. And when Moses came down from the mountain, his face was glowing. And they said, Moses said, You gotta cover your face because we can't handle it. Maybe what they had experienced led to what we find in Exodus 35 and 36. Maybe it's what they didn't experience. Because while they were experiencing all the incredible aspects of God and his power and his provision and his glory, they were also rebellious and they grumbled and they complained. I mean, that God sent them uh, sent them the manna every morning and they said ever so tired of manna, so he sends them quail. And then while Moses was on the mountain and the mountain was shaking, the people down below decided to build a a, a golden calf and they committed idolatry while God was giving the law to Moses. And maybe it was the fact that God didn't wipe them off the face of the planet at that point in time that led to this. Because he could have and he maybe should have. Maybe with all they experienced, God didn't treat them as their sins deserve. And maybe we need to be thankful that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Maybe they figured out God's goodness and His patience and His perfection and His presence and His provision. And maybe with all they experienced and all that they didn't experience from God, something stirred in their heart. Maybe all that they had experienced in their short time with God led to a place of thankfulness. But thankfulness really is not the end goal here. You see, what we find, maybe i think this is the reality is a thankful heart creates a generous life when we are thankful for what god has done it leads to a place not just of thankfulness but utter generosity but then here comes the challenge With everything going on all around us, sometimes it's hard to be thankful. Looking at our experience, looking with what everything is going on right now, it's hard to be thankful. Now, I could stand up here today or sit up here today and give you an emotional plea and give you all the reasons why you have to be thankful. But I want to share one, and I want to share one because it comes out of a story from the life of Jesus. You see, Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 7, he was invited into a home. It was home of a Pharisee, one of the religious scholars of the day. And, and the picture is, is they're eating supper. Now, when we eat around the table, we have Chairs and benches and different things like that. But in the ancient world, the time that Jesus would have been walking on the earth, as they were eating supper, they would have, like, shorter tables, and they would kind of have pillows and cushions all around it, and they would kind of recline around the table. And they might recline, like, where they're kind of sitting on the table, and their legs are, are kind of out um, from, away from the table. Probably good, because their feet probably stink, stunk, Right? So anyway, this lady comes in, uninvited guest, knows that Jesus is at this house. And she was a sinful woman. And she brings in a jar of perfume and pours it all over Jesus. Now the Pharisee, the Pharisee's having a hard time with this because he's thinking, if Jesus knew who this was, he wouldn't even allow her in this house, let alone be close to him. And so Jesus, because he's Jesus, and he's fully God and fully human, but the fully God side of him is able to understand what's going on in this guy's mind. He says, I've got a question for you. In fact, I want to tell you a story. He said there was a king. And this king, well, he had two people who owed him money. And one of them owed like 500 denarii. Now, when I say 500 denarii, let's just go ahead and say 20 months' salary. So think about that for you. 20 months' salary is what you owe. And then there's another person. They owe 20 or 50 denarii, which is basically two months' salary. And let's just say neither one of them are able to Repay. So the king, in his generosity, forgives both. Which one do you think will be more thankful to the king? And the guy goes, well, I suppose the one who had more forgiven. And this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 7, verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So a little spiritual exercise for you to do today, maybe over the next several days. You know you. The only person that knows you better than you is Jesus. So I want you to consider how much Jesus has forgiven you spend some time there spend some time there camp there and really understand how much you've been forgiven in fact I'm going to give you a little commercial right now a little commercial for our next series that's coming up Uh, we're going to call this Christmas isn't canceled so much in our culture today has been canceled right but one of the big things that is happening within our world today is people are canceling people. I don't like you. I cancel you. I pretend as though you don't exist. Right? That's what's happening. Disagree politically, you don't exist. We cancel people. Here's where I find a place of thankfulness. And we're going to talk about this in, in, in this next series. But This is where I find a place of thankfulness. I'm thankful that even though Jesus could have, he did not cancel me. He knows everything about me. He knows past, present, and future. And he still chose not to cancel me. He chose to forgive. He chose to redeem and reconcile, to bring peace through himself between us and God. But also this. Not just spend time considering how much you've been forgiven. Spend some time considering how great God is. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Verse 3 begins with these words, Consider Him who... Consider Him who? And and so we're given an invitation in our minds to consider how great Jesus is. So spend some time considering how much you've been forgiven, but also on the flip side of that, how great Jesus is. In fact, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different as we go into our time of communion. In our time of communion, uh, worship team is going to be singing a song. You're welcome to, during this time, take communion to really consider how great God is. And as we sing this song, and in fact, I'll just say, this has been called by some the anthem of the church. It's a song, How Great Thou Art. So, as this is going on, spend some time. Take some time just over the next two or three or four minutes considering, as as the worship team sings, how great God really is. Will you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, you are good. Your word says that you're so good that the description of holy is insufficient, that angels in heaven right now are declaring holy, holy, holy are you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.